and welcome to the Pondering Theologian podcast. I am the host, Nathaniel. Um, in this episode, I'm going to uh, ponder for a little bit kind of this idea of how well we trust God in the way that we go about our lives in the, in the way that we we sometimes get distracted from the actual thing that we are called to do as Christians, those following the example of Jesus. And we get kind of caught up in all sorts of other things that influence our our faith and the way that we enact that. Uh, and I have several different scriptures that kind of influence this this pondering, this reflection. Um, They are Genesis uh, chapter 21, uh, Romans chapter 6, and Matthew chapter 10. A kind of continuation in some aspects to uh, episode I released last about um, life isn't fair, Uh, but more looking at it from a slightly different angle. So I will read those scriptures for y'all real quick, and then we'll get more into the pondering. So Genesis chapter 21, uh, 28 through 21 reads, uh, the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham, playing with her son Isaac. So she said to Abraham, Cast out the slave woman with her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit along with my son Isaac. The matter was very distressing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, Do not be distressed because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for it is through Isaac that offspring shall be named for you. As for the son of the slave woman, I will make him a a nation of him also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water and the skin was gone, she cast the child into one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bowshot. And she said, Do not let me look on the death of my child. As she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Do not be afraid, for God has heard the voice of the boy and where he is. Come lift up the boy and hold him fast in your hand, for I will make a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. She went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy, and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert of the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother got a wife for him from the land of Egypt. And now from Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin go on living in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. 
For if we have been united with him in death like this, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed. We might no longer be enslaved to sin. For whoever has died is freed from sin. But if we have died in Christ, we believe that we have also lived with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you might, or so you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive in God and Jesus Christ. And then Matthew chapter 10, verses 24 through 39. A disciple is not above the teacher, nor a slave above the master. It is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher, and the slave like the master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear them who can destroy both soul and body. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. Even the hairs of your head are counted. So do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. Everyone, therefore, who acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before God in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I will also deny before God in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And one's foes will be members of one's own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake find it. Uh, years ago, I started working my first job. Um, I was nine or 10 years old. Um, and we lived in this trailer park around Detroit. And I spent quite a few days doing landscaping and learning the ins and outs of how to care for plants of all different types in the landscaping. Um, and, not, and I not only worked for the park owner where we lived, but I had several people that asked me to mow their yards or water, or weed trim, mulch, fertilize, plant things. And I spent a good four years doing this throughout that, that, uh, that park. And I remember that I had many a person who said that I was so helpful and I make their lives easier and I felt important. But I'd be willing to bet today that few of them would remember my name. Um, I spent a good deal of my youth, my mid-teenage to late teenage years, working for different family members, family friends, and a couple different corporations as a contractor, and I worked pretty hard. You know, I, I worked this uh, workaholic lifestyle. I skipped lunch, I skipped coffee breaks, I did dangerous stuff. I did things that now in middle age my body is quite angry about. I missed holidays, birthdays, I missed important events because I was working, and I had given my word that I would work until I couldn't. And in my early 20s, I did the same sort of thing. I became this go-to guy, the gopher, as some called it. The guy who, when no one else wanted the shift or the job, I would do it. You know, I played with live wires. I committed many a OSHA violation. I delivered the bad news. I was the person given the unsanctioned job of making people quit. 
I was the guy who um, was quite proud of making Marines cry and teens not come back from lunch. I was this dedicated company man, and I was a hard worker for whatever cause they set. Um, I was asked to work on that uh, on the day that I intended to propose to my now wife, and I considered it heavily. I was injured multiple times on the job. I have accepted none to low compensation or settlements because I was convinced that I was more important to the team where I worked, but not important enough to rock the boat or important enough to change the status quo. The challenge, the settling ground. Yet I worried constantly about where it was that I was going and how I was even going to get there. And I share all that to ask us to consider how we spend our time and how we dedicate our energies. Consider who we trust. Here in America, we often live in this ideal that we are in some mutual agreements wherever we do business or work or ministry, wherever we share our passions. However, we can sometimes often um, perhaps find that we are in positions where we accept something that just isn't given back. That is to say that the position that many of the people in our world find themselves in is one of isolation and dedication to a cause that we alone chase after. That is, uh, that's something that, you know, something that doesn't necessarily benefit our soul or the important of uh, the important thing, which is our eternity. When we think of Hagar in the reading from Genesis, we kind of see this happen pretty quickly. You know, she worked earlier on in things. She was a slave and she did what her master told her to do. Sarah told her to carry on Abraham's family line and you know sleep with him and give him a child because Sarah didn't believe that she would be able to have children. And she followed what she was told. She didn't fight back. And I mean, there's there's sexual trauma to be explored there, but for the purposes today, let, we're, we'll focus on Sarah doing what she was told. And um, at that time, it talks about Abraham being a good master. And now we find in the reading today that those who were meant to care for her are casting her and her child yet out into the wilderness. And yet God will lift them up and create this line of Abraham that continues today. If you aren't familiar, Ishmael is how we get the line of faith that is uh, Islam, the nation of Islam, um, or the Islamic faith. And that is why you may hear people refer to uh, it as an Abrahamic religion. In our gospel reading today, we hear Jesus talking to his disciples. And if you listen to the last episode uh, where we read earlier in this part of Matthew, we know that this is directed at the 12 disciples. Uh, That's how this this chapter starts. You know, people from tax collectors to fishermen, zealots to general everyday believer are spoken to in the reading. And Jesus calls them and he says in the section before this how these disciples will go into places that they're not welcome, that families will betray their own kin. And this is essentially a reminder that Even those we know here on earth, those closest to us, will at some point challenge or betray our calling to serve the Lord with our whole heart, soul, or mind. 
Um, and starting in verse 24, it says, The student is not above the teacher, nor the servant above their master. It is enough for the student to be like their teacher, and servants like their master. Uh, but if the head of the house is called Beelzebul, how much more the members of the household? So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed, or hidden that will not be made known. When we think of this world and the places that we live in, how often do we get caught up in the ways of that place? You know, if I ask you to think about where it is you live, your, your city, your town, your village, or the state, or the country, how readily could you give me the state of the local politics, or the latest legislation? You know, back home in my little town, the biggest news right now is that they change the rules around our garbage and recycling pickup. And this is more important in my neighborhood than perhaps the sharing of the gospel, the living of the gospel and the way in which we are living in harmony with the local change of who will pick up our trash. When we go to church on a Sunday or to you know midweek service or whatever, how often do we allow the politics or the cultural sway change the way in which we worship? Or perhaps the more pertinent way to say this is how often do we let someone other than Jesus or the biblical account guide us in how we live our lives? You know, I worked uh, for many years in kitchens and in retail, and I can tell you that after I left, people may have remembered the good work I did, but what I sacrificed, the time with my family, my friends, my community of faith, my Christian siblings, all the, the time I exchanged for someone else to control my time and tell me what to do is not as important as the moments I have spent living out the gospel. I will not be remembered by the corporations that took hours of my life. I'll not be remembered by the organizations that controlled my time um, as much as God will account for the moments that I did not share the gospel message. I recall a few, uh, few times in my time as a retail manager where I broke corporate rules. I went on company time to rescue people stuck in snow or I uh, worked in auto parts so I illegally changed parts in parking lots on occasion because people couldn't afford a mechanic and I, I broke company policy to make sure these people were cared for. And those people are perhaps the ones who will remember my impact over those who ran the corporation. Sometimes we get a little too tied up in the political rhetoric, whatever party line it is. Sometimes we get a little too tied up in our company rhetoric. Uh, sometimes we get just a little too caught up in this world's politics rules and the espousing of taglines and affiliations. We get farther and farther from the gospel message. Consider how many signs you see in people's yards fighting the other people's signs in their yards, or things that Jesus' example would just resolve. There's a lot going in our world, going on in our world, whether that is, uh, you know, the past several years or decades. Uh, you may remember those past politics, or uh, even the most recent politics, where people in the name of God have introduced articles of impeachment, or laws, or constitutional amendments where our Christian faith has been used less as a guide for life and more for personal, political, and corporate gain. The reality is that we often, all too often, allow the world to impact what we do, what we say, where we go, and the ministry messages we espouse. When we sit down at the end of the 
the day. I wonder if we remember that it mattered little how we chose to join this world's groups than it does that we actually live in the words and the actions of Jesus Christ's example. I shared, you know, at the beginning how much time I spent working for different corporations or employers for jobs, giving my word and my body over to the ways of the world. Uh, yet I guarantee that when we get to the end of our lives, the way in which we live out the gospel message will be more important than who paid, you know, for your church's chairs or carpet or who is um, the reigning political party than it did how we house people who are unhoused or feed those with food insecurity or cared for those who are in need. We often get caught up into the ways of the world. The church and its ministries are hijacked by politics and human interests and personal interests more than the ministry of Jesus Christ. When we think back to our youth or our yesterday or our any any time in our lives, how many things of this life, this time, this place, did you allow to get in the way of your following of the gospel message? I was recently talking with a gentleman who grew up in the church, and they were sharing how they spent so much time listening to the preacher and their parents and others talk about what Jesus did. But then afterwards, in the lobby of the church, they were judging people in that church and in that community or that political party or whatever and subsequently spent less time actually doing what Jesus called each and every one of us to do less time doing what Jesus modeled for each of us to do even just outside the doors of the sanctuary and this is not a unique example this is everywhere so I invite you to consider where you are impacted not by the actual word of God but by celebrity, by corporation, by politician, by money, and human motivation, rather than the word of God. I look back at my youth and all the time I spent working for man-made interests and political interests and less about gospel-centric interests, and I question how much good I could have done. And this isn't a call for us to sit in pity or in regret as much as it is looking at what we can do now and where we can go. You know, when you end this episode, you know, where can you go? What can you do? Where have you been called in your community of faith or individually, individually to live out the gospel message? It says that even the birds of the air are taken care of with intricate detail, yet we worry daily sometimes about things that God has taken care of long before today, and we have yet to just act in faith. So, so where is that for you, you know, both in your community of faith or your group of believers, your support group in faith and, and individually? Where are you called to trust and act in faith rather than wait on the money, wait on the politics, wait on the sociological tide to shift? Where are you called to follow Jesus and care less about the ways of the world? Now I invite you and implore you to consider this today. We're going to end the episode here. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, your perspective, your uh, examples. How are you reflecting this in your today? Or where can you see the impacts of this in your past? 
Down in the show notes is all the contact for the podcast. You can reach out on social media, through email. If you're listening on Spotify, you can respond directly through a question in the episode description. I'd love to hear your thoughts, your perspective, and uh, your own questions and considerations on this topic. As always, I hope that you are doing well. Know that God loves you so very much. There is nothing that you or anyone else can do about that. We'll see you in the next episode.